listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Bauckham. Welcome to the Save the Marriage podcast. This is the podcast that I've designed to help you save your marriage no matter where you are. Sometimes you can even save your marriage before it gets into trouble because we talk about the pieces of the puzzle that most people don't know about. It's no surprise that marriages get into trouble. I mean, did you go to a class in how to have a great marriage or how to be married at all? Did, was that part of your curriculum? Because it certainly wasn't a part of mine. I had to go to you know, keep going through school in order to get exposed to theories about how you work on marriages in trouble. But at no time did I actually have a class on here's how to have a great marriage. Most people don't have that. At best, you might have had a few sessions with somebody who's trying to figure out where you might hit the potholes, where you might hit the speed bumps. But probably nobody was telling you about how to have a great marriage, much less how to save a marriage that gets into trouble. It's kind of interesting, you know, it's it's an, a mystery for most people on what creates a good marriage. Some people do it almost by accident. You know, I've watched people around me that have had great marriages that just seem to have kind of stumbled into it by, you know, kind of walking through and finding the the places and moving through them. But guess what? That's exactly what happens when couples get into trouble. That's what happens. They start getting into bad cycles. You see, the good cycles might get you to where you want to go, but the bad cycles can take you down. Today, I want to take on a conversation I had earlier today with somebody who called in and said, hey, you know, I wanted to ask something on the podcast, uh, but I really wanted your opinion. So we chatted a few minutes, and I kind of got the feel for what she had to say, but I wanted to bring that onto the podcast because that really was where it was meant to be asked. Here's the thing. Her husband comes in. Here she is wanting to build her relationship, knowing that connection is important, and her spouse is there, and he's constantly saying, I don't feel safe. Now, he says that in many different ways. Whenever they have a confrontation, whenever they disagree, he says, I don't feel safe sharing this with you. When she asks him about staying in uh, their room together instead of in the spare bedroom, he says, I don't feel safe. When she tries to bring up subjects around finances or around how to deal with the kids, he says, I don't feel safe. And her question was, is he just shutting me out? Is this just his cop-out and nothing I do is going to make him feel safe? What is this all about, this safe thing? I've never threatened him. I've never tried to hurt him. Why would he feel unsafe? So I think that's a fair question for us to kind of delve into because, after all, what he is cutting off is connection. So first of all, let's talk a little bit about the importance of connection, period, in a marriage. If you're familiar with my system, there are three C's to it. The first C is connection. To tell you the other two, and then we're going to come back to connection. The second one is is about changing yourself. Now, that is not my shortcut way of saying you got to, you know, you got to fix yourself. There's something wrong with you that you're broken, as much as to say that we all stagnate. We all have places we need to grow in, and some of us might find that we even have places where we need to heal and, and really deal with some pains from our own past that might get in our way. But sometimes it's just about kind of getting going again, not being in stagnation anymore. And then there's that other one about how you have to create a new path. 
If you've heard much, you know that I believe that there is a unique psychological element to marriage, which is about shifting to being a we. And if you don't make the shift, you and me, which is how most people get married, become you versus me. Getting to we means we are in this together. We're on the same team. We have a sense of being in connection with each other. So that path is one that most people don't know how to do. They might have heard that somewhere in their maybe religious upbringing or even in maybe the ceremony about two becoming one flesh, something like that. But they don't really realize what that is about, this psychological shift that must happen. And so they don't know how to make it. So a lot of times people are like, you know, if we can just get back to where we were, that would be great. And my response is always getting back to where you were has got you to where you are. You have to find a new path. You have to find a new way through this. So now let's circle back to that first C of connection. Connection is the lifeblood of a relationship. It's how we share in getting that to that place. It's how we share in becoming a team. And it happens on a physical level, happens on an emotional level, happens on a spiritual level. And all of those pieces fit together where we feel connected to somebody, that they become a part of our world and we become a part of their world. Connection is that deep sense that we're understood and that we understand, that we are a part of a common cause, that we're in this together, that we understand each other's goals, dreams, hopes, aspirations, that we understand what's going on in our daily life, that when things are bad, somebody is listening. When things are good, somebody's there to celebrate with us. And we get to enjoy that place of touch that is often so important for us to, to feel that connection. So all of that is about our connection. So where does the safety thing come in? Especially if you say there's never been violence in our relationship. How could safety be an issue? Well, we all have to feel some safety in order to relate to somebody. I want you to think just for a minute. Let's just go a little bit broader. You might know a friend that you, you know that whatever you say to them, it's going to go right back to the next person, right? They're going to go and tell on you right there. You're probably not going to feel safe to tell that person many secrets. You're not going to feel the safety that we're talking about. And that's, that's the same feeling that I'm talking about. The calls may be different. Do you feel like that person is going to hold what you tell them as something of importance, something that's shared between you? Or are they going to misuse that? the place where you were vulnerable. So let's take this next step and understand that safety is required for somebody to be vulnerable. You may have a dog, may have a cat, I don't know, some pet, but my dog really likes to have his belly scratched. But here's what I know about my dog. When he's sitting on the, the couch beside me and sitting on his, his blanket and he rolls over to have his belly scratched, he is completely vulnerable at that point. He's opened himself up to being hurt. I mean, physically speaking, he's opening himself to be hurt. And there he is just kind of laying back expecting that I'm going to pet him, to rub his belly. There's a vulnerability there because he feels safe, because I've never hurt him, because I've always treated him well, because last time he rolled over like that, I rubbed his belly. And I want you to think about that for a minute, just that image. The last time he rolled over, I rubbed his belly. I didn't smack him. The time before that, when he rolled over, I rubbed his belly. I didn't smack him. Since he's been a puppy, when he comes up to me and rolls over, 
if I have a chance, I'll rub his belly. If I don't, I'm not going to hurt him. So there is a safety in that. Now, kind of think about how we do that in an emotional way. That if somebody has hurt us emotionally, we're not going to show our belly, right? We're not going to be vulnerable. We're not going to let them get close enough to hurt us. We're going to get closed off. As you know, I do jujitsu, and one of the things about jujitsu is you're always rolling around kind of trying to figure out how vulnerable to make yourself to somebody else in order to advance your position. It's kind of this weird thing where sometimes you have to go, okay, I'll pretend that you can get that in order to get this, right? We're, we're kind of faking vulnerability. But one of the moves that automatically happens when somebody comes at you is you kind of close up in a defensive posture, Every time somebody is coming in for an attack, I try to defend myself. I'm not there to give them a hug. I'm there to defend myself. So part of what happens in life is we armor up to make sure that nobody hurts us. We go to the office and we, we play cover our honey, right, to, to make sure that nobody can hurt us. And sometimes we carry that over into too many relationships, Sometimes it's because of the relationships we grew up with. Maybe you grew up in a household or maybe your spouse grew up in a household where it wasn't particularly safe, either emotionally or or physically. Maybe when somebody didn't like something you did or your spouse did, there was actually physical violence or emotional violence where someone was made fun of or somebody's feelings were rejected or they were made to feel less than. Because that really is what happens when people mistreat that vulnerability. It feels like they're going to get hurt, even if that's not the case. So part of this vulnerability that has to be there in order to have connection is part of what often gets to be at risk during a marriage crisis. So why is that? Well, let's bring in a little bit of your neuroscience of this. Stephen Porges is a neuroscientist who studies a lot about how we are protective of ourselves. We have a natural imperative for safety is what he says, a natural imperative for safety. So I was talking with someone earlier today, and he said, you know, I'm really not thriving. I guess you might say I'm just surviving. And I said, okay, let's just kind of pull that apart because survival is a basic level, right? In order to sur- for me to survive, I need to be warm and fed, and I need to be in a place where I don't feel like I'm going to be attacked. Those are the basic levels of feeling like I'm surviving, of, of being able to survive. I've got to have those basic needs met. Most of us don't live in an existence, at least if they're able to listen to a podcast, they don't live in an existence where they're worried about you know, where they're going to be warm and what they're going to eat. might have some worries about being safe, but that's a separate piece because, as you know, my rule of thumb is if you are in an unsafe relationship, meaning you really have a sense that you're going to be hurt physically, you don't work on saving the marriage. You work on keeping yourself safe. And this is a part of that process. We have an imperative for safety. It's built into us. We've inherited that through our genes that our brain is always scanning around to see if there's a threat. The problem is our brain is hypersensitive to threat. It's better for you to sense a lack of safety when it's really safe than to sense safety when there's actually a lack of safety when you're actually at risk. And so you are predisposed 
to looking for the safety. And so you have this imperative for safety. And when you are lacking in safety, you go into protection mode. We all do. Now, what's going to trigger that might vary. Somebody who comes out of a, uh, a, a household where there's either emotional or physical harm done is going to have a much more quick-to-respond level of feeling unsafe. It's just built in from childhood. So you're constantly looking to figure out what you can do and not do, what you can say and not say, and stay on the side of safety. So when we go into protective mode, one of the things that we pull out of that is our willingness to connect and be vulnerable. Safety mode is making sure we are not vulnerable, that we are not at risk, that we are at this point making sure that we are keeping ourselves at a safe distance. So as we do that, unfortunately, it happens often outside of our conscious notice. Many of us go on lockdown without even knowing we've gone on lockdown. And by the time we know it, we are really locked down. I've had people in my office that have, they've been telling me it's about something or, or I've been watching them interact with somebody and I'm watching their response and their response is a safety response. They're going to a, a place of preserving themselves, of, of trying to be safe. And I'll ask them about it and they're completely unaware. Like I'll ask them, you know, I'm noticing that you're, you're kind of wrapping yourself up in your coat and you're crossing your arms and your legs and you're pulling away from your spouse. Are you feeling unsafe? And they're many times not able to see it. But I can see it. Why can't they see it? Because it happens below their conscious notice. So then we have this place where many couples begin to get into a pattern where when one feels some sense of threat, they interact in a way that puts the other person in a feeling of threat. So they go round and round in a destructive way that feels less and less safe the longer they do it. For instance, let's say that somebody's had a rough day. Spouse comes in the door eager to see the family. And then they cross paths with a spouse who's looking kind of cross, maybe has a, a tone or a look. And immediately they recognize that the spouse is upset. Now immediately you don't know, was it something I did or something that happened in the rest of the world? So your safest place to go, remember it happens automatically and subconsciously, the safest place to go is to say, I don't want to be the target. If I cause this, I better be ready to deal with it. And all that happens in a split second. So suddenly your tone changes, your posture changes, your voice changes. And this can go the other way too. You walk in on somebody, they walk in on you. Either way, you go into a defensive posture of safety. And suddenly the willingness to share with each other about your day, the willingness to support each other, the willingness to hug, to kiss, the willingness to talk about what happens next, which now we've talked about the emotional, the physical, and the spiritual dimensions of connection are all off the table because you are in protection mode, not connection mode. And in the midst of protection mode, you're better off holding back and staying distant than engaging. So part of what we have to work towards is understanding that sometimes our spouse's places of threat are not at all about us. 
And not only that, but our very quick to respond ways of going to safety sometimes overshoots what's necessary. It's certainly possible that a spouse can have a bad day and have nothing to do with me. A spouse can be upset and have nothing to do with me and not be a risk to me. In fact, that is the predominant case with most people. Now, let me just say again, if when you see a spouse upset and you know that that is going to lead to you being in danger of of something and a threat of physical harm, you need to protect yourself, not try to figure out how to look vulnerable and act more vulnerable so your spouse can feel that vulnerability. You need to not be intentionally communicating safety, but you need to make yourself safe. So let me just say that very clearly. Again, if there is a real, genuine concern for your safety based on history or based on what you see, you need to protect yourself. But for most people, it's a feeling they have that they are at risk, not a reality. So what can you do about this? That's where we want to make a shift here. Let's say that you can look back and see that there has been a pattern between you and your spouse where you trigger each other into feeling unsafe. And because of the lack of safety, neither one are wanting to be vulnerable. And because of a lack of vulnerability, neither one want to connect. And because of a lack of connection, your marriage is in crisis and disconnected. So we follow that all the way back from the place where you're responding in a way that appears like there's a threat. So how do you move through this? One is to make sure that you make an intentional communication of safety. An intentional communication of safety includes a couple of things that are pretty easy to do. For instance, showing interest and acceptance to a spouse. When they come in the door to meet them with a nice tone and to say, hey, how's your day? To want to hear about their day, even if it's a bad day, even if they seem upset, to make an assumption until further clarified that they're not actually upset with you but have had a bad day. Now, that's going to take some practice and some intentionality on your part to make that a conscious communication. But when we can express interest, sometimes interest comes long before empathy. So if you've lost empathy with your spouse, work on being interested in what's going on with your spouse. We can always be curious, and curiosity leads to empathy. So use interest as a way of being intentionally communicating safety, and also acceptance. When they're upset, to let them be upset and still accept them, to not chastise them, to not make them feel bad and a failure for being upset about something. How we feel emotionally is how we feel. When a spouse feeling something emotionally, we don't have to fix it, nor do we have to chastise them in an attempt to fix it, but we can accept the fact that that's where they are. And also to intentionally communicate love and respect. Love and respect. And love here is not the gushy, warm feelings of romance, but acting lovingly and acting respectfully. Now, there's some places specifically that you can look to to do that. First is to create a space where it's safe in a place of admission or confession. Let's say a spouse has had a bad day because they messed up. Does your spouse trust your communication enough to tell you how they messed up? 
let's say they overparented or underparented and they feel kind of bad about that. Do they trust the relationship enough to talk about that, to be vulnerable about that and say, you know, I'm really struggling here as a parent. I'm really struggling here as a spouse. I'm really struggling here as a worker, as a coworker, as an owner of the business, as whatever role they have. I'm really struggling here. I messed up. Most of us are trained to automatically hide where we messed up. And part of the reason is because we know the shaming that can happen when somebody knows about where we fell short. So the question is whether you can create a safe space for somebody to make an admission where they failed or a confession of where they failed, a confession of where they fell short. Now, understand, you might not be able to fix it, and there may still be consequences to their behavior, but do they feel that there is a safety in sharing that, or do they feel the need to hide it? The second way is physically and emotionally. This is a a very clear one where we have to figure out how to make someone know that we're not going to attack them physically, we're not going to retaliate physically, We're also not going to attack them emotionally, retaliate emotionally. We're not going to call names. We're uh, going to treat them with care and respect. We're not going to be sarcastic when they're down or uh, shame them for their actions. We're going to create a safe space, both physically and emotionally. One of the biggest places that creates a huge harm in relationships is when somebody feels a physical threat or an emotional threat from their spouse because that shuts us down. We lose our place of safety in that. The next safe space is inventing and struggling. Let's just be clear. Not every day is going to be a great day. There are going to be times when you just need to blow off steam and say what a jerk someone is or what, how tar- terrible it is that something happened or to just be upset about something and not to have it discounted or fixed or dismissed. So can you create that space for a spouse to be able to share the places where it just is frustrating, where life is just tough, where there is a struggle and let that just be a place? And the last place is, is their safety and vulnerability and risk. I think one of the places where we all as humans become more and more of who we need to be is when we take some risks in life, when we try to expand ourselves, try new things, push ourselves a little further, maybe make requests of a spouse, maybe make requests of the world, to, but to find other places where we are going to take a risk. Lots of times in my wife and I's journey, I've had a proposal for some project or business. And one of the places she's created that space is to be willing to let me venture those risks, to be vulnerable about the places where that's kind of scary, to vent some when it's not working well, to make sure that when I mess up somewhere, it's okay. And I try to do the same for her. Because part of our task is to feel safety with a spouse. Sometimes when somebody says, my spouse keeps telling me they don't feel safe, I don't know why, they're missing these layers. There's some piece of this that is missing. So as you're going through, remember that intentionality of communicating safety, of trying to show interest and acceptance of love and respect of allowing for room for admission or confession when things are falling apart or 
to make it safe physically and emotionally, that there's no feeling of threat in those areas, and to make sure that when there's venting or struggling, that's okay, that you're there, and that you allow for vulnerability and risk. In those ways, you begin to do the pieces you can in order to build the safety that's necessary for connection. Now, if this whole new connection thing is out for you and you're just not sure about it, if you're, you don't know what the whole connection thing is about and how to maybe activate these things, how to figure out what went wrong, I would love for you to grab my Save the Marriage system. You can find that by going to savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. It's a fundamental piece on how you can begin to rebuild the broken places in your relationship that are around the areas of connection, of change, and of creating a new path. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.